The Garden Question is a podcast for people that love designing, building, and growing smarter gardens that work. Listen in as we talk with successful garden designers, builders, and growers, discovering their stories along with how they think, work, and grow. This is your next step in creating a beautiful, year-round, environmentally connected, low-maintenance, and healthy, thriving outdoor space. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an expert, there will always be something inspiring when you listen to the Garden Question podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Craig McManus. Gardening is not just for adults. In fact, getting kids involved in gardening can have a multitude of benefits for their physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Gardening has the power to transform children's lives and instill in them a love for the outdoor world and healthy living. It provides an opportunity for learning, growth, and community engagement. To understand the importance of this, we have the opportunity to chat with M. Shipman, the Executive Director of Kids Gardening. In this conversation, M. shares her insights on why it is important to get kids involved in gardening, the benefits of gardening for kids, and the challenges facing educators, parents, and caregivers. Her vision is grounded in the principles that children are on their way to realizing their full potential when they have access to healthy food, hands-on outdoor play, and learning opportunities. Em has also worked as a professional gardener and garden designer. She spends all of her free time, and then some, digging in the dirt. Em resides in an old schoolhouse in Vermont with her two boys and wonderful garden soil. This is episode 150, Gardening with Kids and Reaping the Benefits, with M. Shipman on the Garden Question Podcast. M, why do you think it is important to get kids involved in gardening? There are dozens of ways, but I think what it all boils down to is getting kids outside and physically active and engaged in experiential learning. Too few kids have the opportunity to get outside and move their body and to interact with the environment around them. So maybe they're outside playing sports, and that is great too. But the benefit of being outside and working in the garden is that we're interacting with plants or insects and soil. We're learning about these living things learning about the systems that they are a part of and that we are a part of. We're learning where our food is coming from and how our food is produced. We're learning important things about how to be stewards of the environment. When kids are connecting to plants through garden, they're connecting to nature and getting a better sense of what they are a part of. We have data that shows kids that grow up gardening are more apt to become environmental stewards as they grow older. They're more connected to the planet, and at that early age, they're able to develop the appreciation for the natural environment. I would say additionally, there are a lot of kids for whom it's hard to learn in a traditional classroom setting. A garden is a really nice alternative way to teach them subjects that you might be teaching in a classroom. Those kids who need to move their bodies more or who just need to learn by doing really thrive in the garden. Your best student in the classroom might not be your best student in the garden. Your best student out in the garden classroom might be someone who is fidgety in their seat in the classroom or who talks too much. 
but they get out into the garden and they are a child who is able to make connections between a type of soil and the performance of a plant, for example. They are excited about doing the hard work of wheelbarrowing a load of soil from one place to another or of harvesting fruit. It really provides another form of learning for folks who don't learn as well in a traditional classroom. What benefits are you realizing by involving kids in the garden? We see so many benefits. The educators and caregivers that Kids Gardening works with report to us that they see improvement in the environmental attitudes of the kids that they work with, but also in the nutritional attitudes. What are kids willing to eat? What kinds of foods are kids excited about? We really see in the garden that when a child is exposed to a food outside where it grows, they are much more apt to eat that food than they are in the kitchen. After it's been chopped up and cooked and hidden in another dish, it's not as easy to identify and it's not as exciting for them. So the garden is this excellent place to expose kids to healthy food and get them excited, build a sense of ownership over their healthy eating. That's one benefit. Some other benefits are those around really providing another form of education and teaching for students who may not learn as easily in the typical classroom setting. Most people learn things by doing them a lot more than they learn by just being told. We learn from mistakes, and gardens are really excellent places to make very low-stakes mistakes. We have the option to start again every season. But within each season, we also have the opportunity to plant a new seed or prune a plant differently and see how the plant responds. Gardens provide this really nice space, like a learning laboratory for kids to make mistakes and learn from them, which is often referred to as growth mindset. Really thinking about how can we not get caught up by making mistakes, but instead fail fast and learn from that and try again. There's always challenges and issues. What issues do you face at Kids Garden? The barriers that educators face around gardening with youth are what we're trying to address at our organization. Those barriers are around funding and finding the resources to fund a school garden. A lot of schools are hesitant to add to their school budgets and increase taxes and aren't able to fund school garden programs through the typical budget processing. So instead, educators are often fundraising for their garden programs on their own. They come to Kids Gardening for that. We have a number of grant programs that educators can apply to, receive anywhere from $500 to $2,500 to support putting in a few raised beds in their youth garden program. Funding is often a big barrier for educators who want to teach through the garden. We're trying to address that at Kids Gardening. There are a number of other fantastic organizations out there that are also trying to address that. The Whole Kids Foundation, the Captain Planet Foundation, Big Green, and a number of others. At kidsgardening.org, we compile a list of places where folks who are interested in gardening with kids can find out what the grant opportunities are to be able to fund their youth garden program. Additionally, a big barrier to garden-based education is knowing what and how to teach through the garden. It might be that an educator knows that gardening is good for their students, they want to do it, but they're a little bit up in the air still on what they can teach in the garden and how. 
at Kids Gardening, we develop original, high-quality educational resources for educators and for caregivers to be able to teach in the garden. That might be a lesson around math in the garden. It might be a science lesson in the garden. It could be a lesson around soil science. We even have social studies resources that educators can use to teach students through the garden. That's another way that folks can be supported through kids gardening and helping to reduce some of those barriers. Another barrier that we see to doing garden-based education is that educators sometimes feel alone in their work. You might be the only teacher in your school teaching through the garden or even the only teacher in your district or in your region. One thing that we're trying to do at Kids Gardening is to connect garden educators to one another so they can support each other. We formed the Kids Garden Community. It's an online community for anyone who gardens with youth to join for free and connect with each other. They're sharing resources, asking questions, and connecting, in many cases, becoming friends, really helping each other to do the work that they do, growing the movement that way by supporting each other. Okay, how do you get involved as a kid in gardening or as a parent in gardener, caregiver, or a school? Yeah, so at Kids Gardening, we have a lot of ways for folks to get involved. When you come to our website, there are two options. It says for caregivers and for educators. We have resources specifically for caregivers, grandparents, and parents, and anyone gardening with kids. And we have resources for formal educators as well to use in school. The way to get started is to identify who are the youth in your life that you can garden and how might you like to engage them. What would be the space where you would create that garden? Then come to Kids Gardening and see if you qualify for a grant to fund the creation of a garden or if there are resources there that you'd like to use to teach through the garden. One thing that we recommend for parents and for teachers really is to start small. When you get excited about gardening with kids, it can be easy to just jump right in and build six raised beds and buy all the plants. It makes sense to have a plan to start small, to try to have some early wins and early successes, then go from there and build out your program. You're going to have a more sustainable program and be able to engage people in that. If you start small, even start with a few containers as opposed to raised bed. Start from there with some container plants, engage kids in that, see what they're interested in, and then build on what they're interested in. We have resources on our website also for getting started gardening with kids, helping you think through the process of what do you want your garden to look like? Who would you like to engage in the garden? What resources do you need in order to do that? And the educational resources that you got on your website, could you explain some of those and how to use them? Yeah, I would love to. Kids Gardening was founded in 1982. We have 40 plus years of resources that we've developed and revised for educators and caregivers. They range from written resources that one can download from our site. Those might be simple garden activities and craft that parents and grandparents can do. They could be lesson plans that teachers can use or camp counselors can do. There are growing guides there as well for how to grow specific plants with kids in mind. We also are a publisher. So we have curriculum book that we have for sale on our website. Some of the most well-known garden-based education books that are out there have been written by Kids Gardening and our partners over the last 40 years. 
In the last few years, we've started to develop new resources in some of the new media. We have a wide collection of webinars now that we've produced on our website as well. We have now a landscape design for youth gardens e-course that we have produced as well that has been very popular. We also offer all kinds of garden activity packs for folks who want to do a couple fun garden-related activities with the kids in their lives. Could you tell us some more about some of the activities we'll find there on the website? There are a few activities that are all-time favorite that everyone loves to do with kids that are a good place to start if folks are new to gardening with kids. Not all gardening activities require a garden. We have a lot of activities on our site that just get people engaged with plants in general and don't require that people have a big backyard or a very involved raised garden or kitchen garden. My favorite activities are very simple. The first one is called a seed viewer. You just start with a clear plastic cup and you moisten a paper towel and you line that plastic cup with that moist paper towel. Then you place a seed between the wall of the cup and the paper towel. Seeds that work well, as you might imagine, are larger seeds. Young children with small hands usually can manipulate larger seeds more easily. Some of the seeds I like to use are scarlet runner beans. Seeds are beautiful and are nice and big. Pumpkin seeds and squash seeds work well too. Putting that between the moistened paper towel and the wall of the cup, it will start to sprout. Then with your child, you can talk about it. You could even take photos each day. Then after a few weeks, you can look at those photos and look at how it, it grew over time. It's just a really nice way to talk about botany, seeds, science, and observing that seed sprout. Right now, with my sons, we're making sprouts in the kitchen. We have lentil bean sprouts and we have some broccoli sprouts. We're watching those and talking about that every day when we rinse sprout. It's just a fun thing to have something around the house that you can watch it grow, observe it, and talk about it. It's very low maintenance. What's a more intermediate level project or activity we could do? Another more intermediate level in terms of the involvement you could do this if you're a beginner is to think about designing a container garden with your kids. At kidsgardening.org, we have a container gardening guide. Something we recommend to families and educators is to choose a theme for your container garden, then select your plants within that theme, select your container based on those plants. Then, because it's a container, think about the right site for that container. Are you going to put that in full sun? Are you going to give that a little bit of shade? Should it be a self-watering container based on where you live, the amount of sun and heat where you are? Some of the themes that we suggest and we've put out there can range from anything like a pizza garden. You can grow some basil and some tomatoes, maybe jalapeno or something. A jalapeno might be in a salsa garden, so that's also an option. You could do a salsa garden. You can have an herb garden in a container. We have themes like fairy gardens or rainbow gardens where you might try to plant plants of different colors. Also fun for kids are sensory gardens, planting plants that engage all of the senses. You might have something that's soft to touch like lamb's ears, something that smells wonderful like lavender, maybe something prickly, maybe a grass that makes sound when the wind blows. It's really fun with young kids especially to do sensory gardens because they can engage with that, not just for looking at, but for touching and smelling. 
they can really get involved. Container gardens are a nice way to get kids involved in gardening. You can start small, start with a small container, but with that container, a child can really feel ownership over it. That's their garden and they can care for it. What's a more advanced garden activity that we could find? This reminds me of a program we worked with in California, an after-school environmental club of high schoolers did a really interesting activity. It was a project over a course of six months, but this is something that families could do together as well. These high schoolers went out into the forest and collected an acorn from a specific type of oak near them in California. I don't remember if they soaked or stratified or what these acorns required in order to sprout, but they did that. Then they planted these in recycled container it gathered from a school, made an irrigation system, and nurtured these seedlings. They ended up with over 200 oak saplings. It took a number of months, of course, for these to sprout. Then they took these and worked with a local college to plant them as part of a reforestation project. If you were doing this at home, you could plant them on your own property. You could sell them at a plant sale. You could donate them in the local community. I think it's fun for kids to think about being a part of nature to the extent that they can be growing their own trees, planting trees. I know as a former landscape designer and professional gardener myself, to go back and look at trees that I planted 20, 30 years ago really blows my mind. It's fun for kids to plant trees as young children, and then as they grow, watch those trees grow. How are you seeing kids getting involved in their gardens and in the community? Kids gardening, we really call attention to the fact that youth gardens build community. When kids are out in the garden, these gardens are usually community spaces and ways for youth to engage with older generations who can teach them how to garden. Also, during the pandemic, we saw increasingly that youth gardens were becoming spaces where kids could take action and feed their communities. A lot of youth were able to socialize, get out into the community and see other people, even during that time of isolation, but also to grow hundreds and thousands of pounds of produce for their local meal sites, food shelf, and soup kitchen. Not only is that a huge benefit to the folks who are able to access that food, but it's a really big benefit to youth to be able to participate in their community in that way and to benefit others. It's important for young people, especially these days, with so much happening online and so much social isolation because we're on screens, to have opportunities to do these service learning type events where they can engage with real people in real time to do some good for one another. April's coming up, and I know Kids Gardening is declared it Kids Gardening Month. Tell us about that. Kids Garden Month is also National Garden Month, but we celebrate Kids Garden Month during April. Every year, we host a huge contest. We ask kids and their educators and caregivers to write in to us to tell us what they love about gardening. That could be in the form of photographs, videos, artwork, poetry. We get it. We've gotten dioramas in the past mailed to our office. Any kind of fun way that kids want to express to us how much they love gardening or what gardening means to them, we want to hear about it. We have a number of sponsors who work with us to offer 
prizes to folks who participate in the contest. Some years we can offer cash prizes. We can offer gardening supplies and seeds. We host the contest on our website. You can also find us via social media. It's simple to participate. We want to keep it fun and easy. You can just visit us at kidsgardening.org and look at the Kids Garden Month page and fill out that contest application to be able to participate. Share with us what you love about gardening. What do you wish people would do differently when designing, building, or growing a garden? That's a good question. It changes over the years. I think we all need to think about planting more perennials, fewer annuals. I'll never give up on my annuals, but in terms of the environment and creating habitat, perennials are a great way to go. I love to see native plants and keystone species. The more we can design with native plants in mind, the better. I'm not a stickler about that. Of course, it's great to incorporate more natives when possible. I am a former garden designer and professional gardener. There are a few basics that I always encourage folks to think about if you're thinking about gardening with kids. Really try to keep things low maintenance. Plant as close to your house as you can. Have water nearby. Keep it easy for yourself so you enjoy it and so you continue to do it. A lot of people get excited about gardening and then potentially make more work for themselves than they can keep up with. End up not gardening a couple years later. I think we may have seen that during the pandemic when a lot of folks got excited about gardening, went whole hog, and then now we're not gardening any longer. What garden myth would you like to smash? I would like to smash the garden myth that you have to have a green thumb to garden. It's not true, and anyone can garden. As a gardener, people come to me and ask me questions about how to do things correctly. and They're so nervous, afraid they're going to mess up. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to kill a plant occasionally. It's all about trial and error. You don't have to have a green thumb. You just have to be okay with messing up sometimes. Pay attention to what you did. And try it a new way the next time. Be observant. I would like people to be a little bit more fearless in their gardening. What is your earliest garden memory? My earliest garden memory is in my mom's garden. I grew up in rural New Hampshire. And my mom had a big vegetable garden and perennial border gardens. My earliest garden memory is being barefoot in her perennial border, rubbing my bare feet on some lamb's ears. I used to love to just pet the lamb's ears, rub them on my feet. Another really great childhood memory is wandering through the raspberry patch and just eating probably every single raspberry before they could make it to the house. <laughs> yeah, I have that issue now with blueberries. Why'd you decide to pursue the horticulture or the gardening profession? That's an interesting question. I don't feel like I really decided. I feel like it wasn't a choice. In undergrad, I majored in public policy and uh, I thought I was going to go to law school. Then I got a job as a gardener that first summer out of college, just take a summer off and do something fun. I completely fell in love. I never looked back, so it felt like it wasn't a choice. I had to garden or I had to make gardening part of my life in some way. Tell us a funny garden story. Some people might not think this is funny, but I can't help but laugh when I think back on it. Both my kids did this, but it was funniest the first time, is bringing my son, who's now eight, into the garden the first summer, just setting him down next to the raised bed to play in the garden as I worked, and just looking over as he was shoveling a handful of dirt right into his mouth. 
And then he had a delayed reaction that I've ever seen. It took him about 30 seconds to figure out that was not what he wanted to do. And then to look at me with a face covered in dirt and start screaming. We washed his mouth out and everything was fine, but it was just the funniest thing to watch him do. And four years later with my second son, he did the same thing, but he wasn't quite as upset by it. In your professional career, who's been your biggest influencer? He's been a really important person in my life. His name is Will Rapp, the founder of Gardner Supply Company and the president for many years. He used to be on the chair of Kids Gardening Board. He passed away a little over a year ago. He was one of the smartest and most passionate people I've ever met. He hired me for this position at Kids Gardening. He was very committed to environmentalism and founded a lot of really important nonprofits and projects to get people connected to nature, to gardening. He was a really smart and passionate person. He was a chair of our board for a while, and I learned a lot from him over the years. What is your most valuable garden mistake? The hardest garden mistake I think I've ever made, and as a result, probably the one I learned the most from, is not hardening off my seedlings. Getting so excited in the spring after starting seeds, keeping them under lights for months indoors, and then just putting them out into the ground way too soon before they've had a chance to adjust to sunlight. That's typically the case as opposed to just not being hardened off to the cold here in Vermont where I am. Sunburning those seedlings, you spend months raising those little babies and then in a matter of hours, they're toast. I think that's the hardest gardening lesson I've learned and one I'll never do again. What have you recently learned about gardening? A lesson that I'm learning over the years is it doesn't have to be as hard as I used to make it. I think I used to be much more of a perfectionist about gardening. It can be as little or as much work as I want it to be. I'm adjusting to that, trying not to overwhelm myself with too much work in the garden, but to keep it reasonable. Over the years, I've been swapping out some of my annual plants for perennials to make things a little bit less high maintenance. I have two young kids, so making sure that when we're out in the garden, it's fun and it doesn't feel like an overwhelming amount of work. I'd like for you to complete this statement. In my garden, I have. In my garden, I have a little bit of everything. As a former garden designer, I would tell people you need to have a plan. We need to think ahead and we want to plant in swaths and think holistically. I didn't follow that advice, of course. I have one of everything because you go to the nursery, you fall in love with a plant, you buy it and you take it home and you stick it in the ground somewhere. My gardens do not look like a garden designer's garden. I have a little bit of everything. I like it that way because the plants are more specimen. It is about the design. Could you tell us about your garden? Up until this past year, I would have told you that I gardened in zone four. Apparently now I'm in zone five, but I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm in Vermont in the Connecticut River Valley, which is an agricultural area. And we have great soil, really nice soil and a ton of water. My veggie gardens are mostly in raised beds, and those are changing every year based on what we like to eat. I have four raised beds, and then I have a number of perennial border gardens around the house that have been in place for about 11 years. I have a lot of perennial fruits and food crops, blueberries, raspberries, apples, rhubarb, blackberries, and asparagus, moving to as many perennial food crops as possible. I also grow peonies as cut flowers. I have a relationship with a local farm stand 
I have about 70 peony plants, maybe about 10 varieties. I grow peonies as cut flowers. It's just a fun little side thing that I do. I love peonies and they're just the easiest plants to grow here in Vermont. They're so rugged, very low maintenance and a very big return on investment. I wish we could grow more peonies here in Georgia. They're an amazing plant. I've talked to people all over the country and some out of the country, and you're one of the first few persons that said they really had great soil. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. I live in a river valley, so all the deposits from the river are here on my property. I also just have great moisture levels. Not all of Vermont has good soil. We have a lot of hill farms that are really rocky, but I just happen to be in this beautiful agricultural valley. People are still farming and still growing a lot of good crops in this land. I live in an old schoolhouse, and people have been on this property for long enough that they removed all the rocks for me. Uh, so that work's been done already, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn from your garden last year that you're going to apply this next year? I've been gardening for so long, but I need to get better about mulching heavily first thing in the spring. Otherwise, I just can't keep up with the weeds. I need to hit the mulch hard first thing in April after things go in the ground in order to be able to keep up with it. I think I put that off too long last year. I like to have something covering the ground in every bed. I am using more cover crops recently as well. Under my apple trees, I have some perennial ground cover. really is good for the soil, and it's great as a weed barrier to just keep that soil covered, whether it's living or bark mulch or wood chips or straw. What are your future plans for your garden? My garden changes every year based on what I'm excited about for this year. One fun thing I'm going to play with this year is growing fava beans as a cover crop. They're such a short growing season for them. That's where I've had annuals previously. I'm also more and more excited about making tea from the herbs that I grow in the garden. I have always grown a lot of herbs, but mostly culinary herbs. This year, I'm going to plant a few different things for drying and for putting up for tea. Both my kids have gotten excited about drinking tea. They're old enough now. Can put a lot of honey in it. <laughs> they like the honey. <laughs> but we do lemon balm tea and some really simple teas for kids. I think it's a fun thing for them to go do, to go harvest the herbs and then bring them in and, and make the drink. What plant are you in love with this week? Oh, I've been in love with this plant forever. I used to be like every year I had a new plant I was in love with. But one plant that I just can't get enough of is borage. It reseeds everywhere. And pollinators love it. It's great for the soil. It has that taproot and it's making some of the minerals that are lower down in the soil available higher up. It's great in the compost. Throwing those leaves into the compost can really help with the nutrition of the compost as well. I just think borage is this all-around beautiful plant. It's edible too. We don't eat it that much, but one year I made ice cubes with little borage flowers inside them for a party we were having. You can throw it in salads. It's just a fun plant. What would you like to say to the folks about how to get started in our own community in gardening, especially with kids? Yeah, so I think people can get started at home just by accessing the resources on kidsgardening.org. If you're eager to see a garden in your local school, I think talking to the school board about that, talking to the principal about that, and volunteering your support. Also, I want to mention that there are so many great organizations 
that are supporting youth gardens all across the country, like Kids Gardening. These organizations are in your local community too. So looking for your local 4-H club, looking for the junior master gardeners in the area, looking for master gardeners and your extension agent, and talking to these folks about opportunities to get kids into the garden. There's national ag in the classroom as well. There are a lot of good resources that might already be in your local community that you can reach out to. You can connect them to kidsgardening.org. I think once you start talking to folks about it, you'll find that there are, are other people who are interested in doing this as well. Do you have resources for the STEM programs that schools may have? We do have resources for STEM, and we just produced a webinar on it. That's available on our website. It's STEM or STEAM Gardening with Kids. And there are all kinds of ways to involve science, technology, engineering, and math in the garden. As you might imagine, the garden is a perfect place to teach those skills. We have a number of resources on that. And those resources are aligned to the national science standards for those educators teaching to the standards through the garden. Em, tell us how people may connect with you. We are online at kidsgardening.org. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, and our handle is at Kids Gardening. This has been Episode 150, Gardening with Kids and Reaping the Benefits, with M. Shipman on the Garden Question Podcast. Thank you, M. You're awesome. The goal is that every episode is valuable and well worth your time. Please generously share the Garden Question Podcast with your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Check out our website, thegardenquestion.com, for links, resources, and where you can listen to every episode again and again. You will not want to miss a weekly episode, so please subscribe to the Garden Question Podcast with Craig McManus on your favorite listening app. Keep on designing, building, and growing a smarter garden that works.